This week's episode is brought to you by More Cute Stories Volume 2 Animators and Imagineers by Rolly Crump. Stay tuned to hear my review. Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And I know it's a little cold for most of you out there right now, but when I think of cold, I automatically think of going to a water park. Because, yeah, why not? Because I want to be in the warm weather. Yeah. I mean, it and, only makes sense. Some of the water's heated in some places. Yeah, yeah, especially in the places where it's cold weather. But... <laughs> That's why we decided to talk about one of our favorite water parks tonight, and one you can unfortunately no longer visit. Well, you can, but you get in trouble. Yeah, you get in big trouble. We don't recommend it, but we're going to talk a little bit about it. So let's go jump on that water slide. Just like Dick Nunes. It's time for Disney History. So the first themed water park at Walt Disney World, and the world for that matter, uh, was River Country, and that opened on June 20th, 1976. It was actually located within Fort Wilderness uh, along the shores of Bay Lake, and it was themed to like an old-fashioned swimming hole, much like the days of Tom, uh, Tom Sawyer and uh, Huck Finn. And because of its popularity, it led to Typhoon Lagoon opening in 1989 and Blizzard Beach in 1995. But uh, back to River Country's opening, it officially opened on June 20th, 1976, uh, and it was opened by Susan Ford, who was President Gerald Ford's daughter, and she took the first trip down the Whoop and Holler Hollow, which was one of the uh, many slides that the park had. Wow, the perk of being first daughter. Yes. Yeah, go figure. You can open up water parks everywhere. Okay, the the park featured a sandy bottom and a unique water filtering system that used is uh, that used excuse me confluent water from adjacent Bay Lake, which was dammed off, creating a natural-looking man-made lagoon of sorts. And to keep the water in River Country fresh, Imagineers built a giant flexible intake filter tube, which was placed at the mouth of River Country's Bay Cove, opening up into Bay Lake. Uh, the tube was filled with water and monitoring equipment uh, to allow it to expand and contract to maintain the water level. And the water from Bay Lake would be pumped through this tube to the top of the water slides at a rate of 8,500 gallons per minute. The excess water in River Country would then spill out over the bladder and back into Bay Lake. I wonder if any kids got lost. That would be an interesting thing to find out. <laughs> uh, well, we'll move on. So anyway. <laughs> so the, the bladder was actually a, a large rubber wall that separated River Country from Bay Lake. And it was inflated uh, six inches above the surface of Bay Lake, so River Country's water level was slightly higher and allowed gravity to spill water back into Bay Lake. 
which means pretty much that science is awesome. And <laughs> yes. it is very possible that a child flew over that wall at some point mm. in time. Um, so there was rocks surrounding the water slides of River Country, and they used the same designs from Disney Rockman artist uh, Fred Jurger, and the same ones he designed for the rocks found at Big Thunder, uh, the came, caves of Tom Sawyer Island, and of Schweitzer Falls of the Jungle Cruise. Um, the rocks at the River Country, they, they may have been fake, but they were scattered with real pebbles from stream beds in Georgia and the Carolinas to kind of add to their uh, real feeling. So Goofy became the mascot for River Country and he would often be seen in his swimsuit going down slides and swinging across the boom. And, and seen on most of the River Country merchandise, Goofy would also be accompanied by Chip and Dale. Uh, in the late 90s, a rumor went around that River Country would replace Goofy with an alligator mascot to match Laguna Gator from Typhoon Lagoon and Ice Gator from Blizzard Beach. However, the River Gator never saw any sort of light due to River Country's closing in 2001, and wouldn't Goofy Gator have been a better name? Goofy Gator would have been a much better name, but, I mean, we can't retroactively market the park at this point, unfortunately. No, that's, <laughs> that's true. I thought that was the next division of Communicore Weekly. Yeah, well, that, that'll that happen with time travel and all that stuff. Okay, that's right. So, bloop. back... Uh, bloop, that, the bloop again! <laughs> I hate that bloop! Um... So back in the 90s, uh, River Country was celebrating the All-American Water Party, and that was to kind of help uh, boost its popularity. And Goofy would make more frequent visits. Uh, he would often arrive by boat or by horseback, uh, along with Chip and Dale and Pluto and Minnie, and they were all dressed in, up in uh, American get-ups. But uh, during the summertime celebration, buttons were handed out. Not cadet buttons, but like regular <laughs> buttons. Um, and there were all sorts of other fun and games surrounding the celebration, including a banjo band. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't enough to bring more people in. Where are you going to put your button on your bathing suit? I, I mean, you could put it in your pocket, but then it might hit you as you're, and you get bleed uh, flames yeah. on the side of my face. Um, Maybe that's the real reason River Country closed. It's very possible. Very uh, possible. We'll find out as we go. So, Okay, well, despite that, <laughs> there were a lot of fun areas for people to enjoy at River Country. Uh, there were a few pool areas, pool area, such as the Upstream Plunge, which was half pool, half landing spot for those going down the slides. There was also Slippery Slide Falls, which began at the top of a rocky peak and ended seven feet above the water, allowing guests to drop off of the slide and into the pool below. There was also Kitty Cove, an area for the kids, of course. Bay Cove area, which had the main swimming hole, Barrel Bridge, Cable Ride, and the Boom Swing, and not really the most clever of names. No, no. The marketing department failed on that one. Yes. But um, the two main attractions were the Whitewater Rapids and the Whoopenholler Hollow. Now, the Whitewater Rapids allowed multiple guests to go down the rapids at once, and they were also notably rougher than its counterparts at the other two water parks. And it went along an area called the, the Raft Rider Ridge next to the Whoopenholler Hollow. And at the slide's finish, it spilled guests into the Bay Cove, allowing them to relax in their tubes for a while to recover, because it, it was a pretty rough ride. Um, <laughs> and then the Whoopin' Holler Hollow was the wildest ride at the, the water park, and it contained two body slides that sent guests whipping around fast hairpin turns, and at the climax, it spilled guests off into Bay Cove, which is around six foot deep at the end. And guests would kind of have to swim quite a bit before they can touch the bottom, or cling onto a side or anything. So if you couldn't swim, it was probably in your best interest to not go on that one because you would probably drown. Exactly. Uh, and then they would push you over the bladder into Bay Lake 
<laughs> so we, they would never find you. Obviously, they should not put us in charge of River Country. Nope, we failed. No, not at all. There goes the okay. retroactive marketing department we came up with. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So River Country closed on September 1st, 2001, with many people thinking it was only temporary. Uh, however, Disney announced its permanent closure in early 2005. Huh. And there have been many theories, all of which uh, unconfirmed by Disney, on exactly why River Country was closed, such as lack of attendance uh, because everyone was going to the new water parks, uh, the water from Bay Lake was corroding everything, including people's brains, uh, like the flesh-eating amoebas that were living in the water. But they don't so. like to talk about that. <laughs> no, shh. But basically, since its closure, Disney has left the area to rot. Uh, it, it's still visible when you're traveling by boat on Bay Lake, and the bridges and infrastructure seem to be falling apart, and a, and a lot of the wildlife is starting to take over again. And there have been many brave souls that have explored the area in recent years, and you can find their findings online, but it's definitely not recommended or condoned for you to do that to yourself because you will get in trouble. Let other people do it, or do it in the past. Uh, look up Adam the Woo, great friend of ours, has a yeah. great video about it, um, but don't do it yourself. But unfortunately, the site's in there, don't know what's gonna happen in the future, so for now, it's just basically le left to rot, unfortunately. <laughs> and you know, if you find yourself online on the YouTubes, do a search for River Country, and you might run into a great video of the Mickey Mouse Club hanging out at River Country, uh, singing the River Country theme song. River Country, great old river country. Okay, I'll stop. He's a nerd, he's a, nerd. He's a, geek. He's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. Ah. It's George's Book of the Week. Okay, so I'm really excited about the Book of the Week for this. Oh, Jeff, I'm sorry, can you go in the other room? I think Martina said she had a package for you. Oh, she did? Okay, I'll be, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll be right back. Okay. okay, good, good. Oh, whew, I'm glad he's gone. I, I've got to talk about More Cute Stories Volume 2, Animators and Imagineers. And I didn't want him here to unduly influence my review because, you know, he's the co-host of this show and we write a lot of stuff together. And I don't want you guys to think I just like it because of him. You know, like we're best buds and everything like that. So, okay. So what we're talking about, More Cute Stories Volume 2, Animators and Imagineers, narrated by Rolly Crump. And, of course, you know me. I loved... The book, it's kind of a cute story by Rolly Crump and Jeff. It was amazing. Got my book of the year last year. And I loved the first uh, volume one for the audio that was released this summer. You know, how awesome is it to hear Rolly Crump sit there and tell you these stories where you can hear his voice inflections and stuff like that. And, you know, that's really what's important is with Disney fans and historians, we're finally at a time where all these stories are being recorded. People are doing interviews, and they're interviewing all these Disney legends and Imagineers and artists. Um, but rarely have they sat down to record them and produce it. So this is a rare, rare treat to get this. Um, so Volume 2 is awesome. You need to go out and buy it. Buy Volume 1 as well. Buy the book. Okay, we'll, we'll move on from there. So Volume 2 clocks in at a bit over 56 minutes and focuses on the artists and Imagineers that Rolly worked with directly. And he shares stories of about 24 different Imagineers and artists, uh, with a lot of others making fun little cameos. And it's, he's got a few minutes worth of audio dedicated to each person itself. And not only do we hear the story of Rolly's work, but also uh, the other people that he came in contact with. Uh, the stories are really varied and include insight into like, you know, how Blaine Gibson first started sculpting and Rolly's foray into erotic art. 
Uh-huh. I'm not going to say anything else. Uh, we also hear about how uh, Rolly first started to get into mobiles, and uh, he was building miniature propellers, but I don't ruin anything. And that led him to the building of the Tower of the Four Winds. So we, we also get a lot of stories about animators uh, that you might not have heard about otherwise, as well as what it was like to work at the studios as an animator in the 50s. So many stories about gags and other projects that were worked on during those years, uh, including Rolly putting spots on Dalmatians. And it really seems like the studios was an incredible place to work. Uh, there's a fun little tidbit that uh, we get to hear about a nickname that Jack Fergus and Rolly gave Walt, one that they would never say in front of him. Uh, so you have to listen to that. Rolly also shares a lot of tips and tricks that the artists in the studios passed on to him, which was neat. They're, they're small little stories told inside of the larger ones, but you get a good idea for the respect and admiration that Rolly had for his peers. Um, these are all stories that Rolly has loved over the years and was obviously excited to share them. Uh, it, it's almost like he was sharing stories from his own family. And, you know, again, I can't, I can't mention this enough. Hearing the inflection and the laughter and the smile in his voice really makes the stories priceless. It really, really does. So the audio release, More Cute Stories Volume 2, is a fantastic addition to uh, Disney history. It really is. Uh, what I truly love about it is that it opens up the worlds of the animators, the Disney legends, the other Imagineers, to people that might not have the opportunity to read about these people. But, you know, you can listen to it in your car or while you're working out or after you listen to Communicore Weekly. And it's just really another great way to get those stories out. So I'm glad that Bamboo Forest Publishing and Jeff are able to do this for Rolly and for us. Now, let me go ahead and text Jeff to tell him that, oops, sorry, he can he needs to come back in so we can finish up. Hey, G- George. I, Whoa, hey. I, I, I just walked back in. Not only does she not have a package for me, she's not even home. Oh, that's really weird. I mean, and how did you even wh- know that she would have a package for me? Uh, it was, I saw it on Facebook. She, she wrote that on Facebook? That's a weird yeah, thing to yeah, write yeah, on yeah, Facebook. But it's, but it's gone now. I think she deleted it, so don't don't oh. worry about it. All right. Oh, I guess I'll ask her about it when, when she gets home. Did I, did I miss anything when I was gone? Or? No, no, no. Just a few minutes of silence. Oh. Nothing, major. N- nothing? Really? No, nothing. We're oh. good. We're ready to move on to the next segment. Oh, all right, then. What we liked, what we didn't like, he's in the booze. 60-second review. So something that Jeff and I talked about when we did our... I was going to say paper review, but web review <laughs> for Mice Chat with the Iron Man Hulk Heroes United Blu-ray that was just released was that, you know, Marvel is on a roll like Pixar is. So for everything they've released since the Iron Man film in 2008 has been awesome. You know, has, has stuck with the canon or filled out the stories, been really, really just a great addition to the universe. Um, even Marvel, Agent Marvels of Shield. I'm, I, I admit I'm liking that, but that's okay. Uh, so when they released this Iron Man Hulk Heroes Unlimited, it was something that I had passed up on the Disney Channel when it was released because I didn't like the way it looked, and it sort of freaked me out. But that being said, uh, we ripped it open and sat down with a ten-year-old because, as you guys know, he is a huge Marvel fan, huge Marvel fan. I think he wants to be Captain Iron Man when he grows up. Just mix them. But anyways, we're talking about the Iron Man Hulk Heroes United Blu-ray. Uh, I enjoyed it. thought it was pretty good. Yeah. I'd like to see something different, but I liked it. 
Yeah, I think, and you know, it's it's technically considered canon for the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it was kind of bizarre, a little, I mean, if they do accept it, I can understand it, but it's also a little side story. Um, the visuals, like George said, it would kind of look like the early 2003 Spider-Man cartoon that was on MTV, but mm-hmm. updated slightly, and that kind of turned me off at first, but um, I, I mean, I got used to it after a while, and... It, Basically, the entire thing was just nonstop action. Um, I mean, there was fights the entire time. Uh, <laughs> there, even during dialogue, if someone was not getting punched or hit during a piece of dialogue, it was out of the ordinary for the film. Um, but I'm mean, not that that was a bad thing. I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, pr- pretty entertaining, and it kept my attention for the time. And just having the characters of Tony Stark as Iron Man and the Hulk, yeah. uh, the Hulk, mind you, never Bruce Banner, um, but having them play off each other the entire time, I thought was a very interesting concept, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, there were some nuances between their characters, which you know is goes beyond your Saturday afternoon or your Saturday morning cartoon show. Yeah. Um, so officially, Communicore Weekly condones superhero violence. Yes, absolutely. Good, only good. only okay. superhero on supervillain violence. That's the only. Type that's all of... we care about. So yeah. But but like you're talking about the story, you know, I was like, well, why they pair Iron Man and Hulk? And you know, this this disc is part of the Avengers Initiative, which you know started with the Iron Man films of creating Shield and uh, you know a force to protect not only the United States but the world. From alien incursions and supervillains. Yeah. But so what it is is the Hulk, of course, is misunderstood. Doesn't really want to be part of the team, and so Iron Man sort of got to pull him into the fold, as such. Yeah. But we do get to meet that other anti-Hulk. The Abomination. And I. Thank you. The Abomination. I was, I was like, what are you, what are you referring was, to? The anti-Hulk. Yeah, the Abomination. Like, I was like, that is who whoa. He is. Yeah. Well, Sorry, I know. I know my Marvel history. Yeah, um, I was like in trouble. So, <laughs> but in, in addition to that, they had a, a couple of bonus features on the film. They had a, a Marvel team up uh, Q and A, um, mm-hmm. which was it was kind of cool. It was a one on one conversation um, about Marvel team ups overall. Um, and I think also George, you mentioned that you enjoyed the the Marvel intermissions uh, when yes. when you paused the film. <clears throat> I, the, the pausing the intermission thing has become very common on Disney related discs now, and I think it's a yes. great idea and makes me not want to get up and go to the bathroom when I pause the film. <laughs> Which is a bad thing, I guess. But um, well, it makes it hard for the ten-year-old to get my refill or get me some more popcorn or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, makes it difficult. But yeah, so the the Marvel intermissions. Uh, there are a few bonus ones that you can get uh, from the extra special uh, the special menu feature. I think there's like three or four. But there are a lot more during the intermissions segment when you pause the Blu-ray. And basically, these are mashups of the 1994 through 1996 Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk animated show which is you know where the, where where tony's got long blue hair and a blue mustache and <laughs> so i'm laughing just thinking about it's it just they bizarre it's really yeah, they're bizarre, bizarre. they're, they're hysterical they're funny they basically mash up the episode and have voiceovers that are completely inappropriate for the characters not inappropriate language but you know the hulk doesn't have a normal hulk voice i mean it's, it's really fantastic so well done and it actually irritated the 10-year-old because I wanted to watch the intermissions more than the show. <laughs> but, you know, I enjoyed it. I liked it. My 10-year-old loved it. Yeah. He thought it was fantastic. You know, this is a great addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe overall. And, you know, so far, so good. I mean, you know, Marvel can't do anything wrong. We had that great Phineas and Ferb Mission Marvel mashup, which was great. 
you know, Iron Man 3 was good, Thor 2 was good, so we're having a good role. Yeah, we are. This. So I, you know, definitely check this, this out, guys. I think you guys would enjoy it. I'd say, yeah. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. So in, in between your browsing for souvenirs at the Once Upon a Time shop at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, which has nothing to do with the television show, it was around before the television <laughs> show, just an FYI. I thought but, the television show was about the shop at Disney's yes, Hollywood Yes, it's Studios. about fairy tale characters shopping at that shop. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So when you're in there, take a listen to the music that's playing in the background, because every hour or so, you can hear some of the original radio coverage of the 1937 premiere of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, and you can also find photos all over the shop from that night as well. And this is basically because the exterior of the shop is modeled after the Carthay Circle Theater, where Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs had its premiere in 1937. So, you know, it all it all ties together there. Yes, it does. More of an audio five-legged goat, which yes. I love those. Yes, an audible I love those. five-legged goat. An goats. audible. An audible. We can do that. So. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. Yeah, be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on the iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, feel free to always email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. We love, love hearing from the cadets and hearing about what's going on in their lives. Yeah, we, we talk to us. We're here for you. We'd, we'd yes, love we to hear more about you. Well, you can also uh, like us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Imaginerity, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck. And of course, give us a call on the Communicore Weekly Hotline. Leave us a voicemail. We'll send you a button. I send out tons of buttons already. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the number is 424-785-4628. Give us and a call. That's right. Call the, call the goat line. If you find either one of us in the parks, we'll give you a button, too. Yeah, that as well. But I'm not in the parks as often as somebody else. No. No, you are not. Sorry, George. I was going to say, you have a problem, Jeff, and the first step is admitting it. Wait, is this is this a park intervention? What? What? Uh, for really Jeff weird. Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. <laughs> and and for George Taylor, <laughs> I, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. <laughs> yeah. No smooth way out of that transition. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. Got course.